Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad you've rejoined us here as we try to answer some of your questions about the Bible. If you happen to be a first-time viewer and wonder what this thing called Know Your Bible is, uh, that's what we do is try to get folks to know their Bible a little better by answering any questions they've got about the Bible. Now we've got a phone number and a website on the bottom of the screen. You can use those anytime to get in touch with us uh, during the program. There'll be some operators there to take your question down. Uh, any other time there'll be a recording machine usually and uh, you can leave your question or your request with us. Uh, but we like to know what you are interested in. Whatever you want us to talk about, whether it's answering a real uh, detailed question about what's this verse mean or What's this doctrine in the Bible all about? Uh, we're happy to answer those kind of questions. Then we just get a lot of people questions. Uh, folks in a marriage or having financial troubles or discipline problems or, or a lot of folks look at the newspaper and say, what in the world's going on in this, this world today? And uh, we try to answer all those questions with principles from the Bible, help you know your Bible better. So that's what we're here for. Give us a call and tell us what you'd like to talk about. So let me introduce my partner here, Toby Levering. He's back. Good morning, Toby. Hi, Steve. Glad you're here and ready to go. And uh, we've got a lot of good ones stored up here, and we'll see if we can answer as many as we can. But we always start with our viewing audience first. So here's your trivia question for the day Who prepared the way for Jesus? A special man was appointed to prepare the way for Jesus and tell people about Jesus. So we'll answer that one at the end of the program. See if you know who the preparer was. I look like I drew the first one today, so I'll try to get us started. Uh, viewer wants to know, should we believe books and movies like Heaven is Real? Well, that was very popular a few months ago, Heaven is Real. Uh, I did not see it yet. I keep telling myself I need to get a copy and see it, but I haven't yet. Uh, but as I understand, it's about a young boy who died and went to heaven and came back to life and tell, tells about what he saw there. Um, First point is uh, there's no witnesses to that kind of thing, so we can't prove it. Although a lot of people uh, have experiences like that or claim to and write books about it, uh, they can't prove it. No witnesses, but uh, I do believe in the afterlife. Uh, I believe in human life after death and uh, a place called heaven. Uh, so if there is this in between where somebody body or spirit leave somehow and comes back and we, we're just not told about that in the Bible. We're not told how it works or whether it works. Uh, so I would be hesitant to doubt any of that. I know there is a place uh, that we're going to go and maybe somebody gets a glimpse of it. Uh, I do know there's some that are just, uh, well they're phony. Uh, there's some books that people have written uh, that are just, you know, they're just too fantastic, just unbelievable stories that they tell. and. Uh, they just have a sound of phoniness about them. Uh, but I wouldn't mark all of them off just because somebody's trying to get uh, 
over the top and make a lot of money that way. Uh, in the Bible, and that's what we're here for is know your Bible. In the Bible there were a few people who did actually die, really truly die, one of them for up to four days, and then came back from that world. And it's interesting to me that of those that died, Lazarus, Dorcas, the widow's son, and a number of others that really did die and go somewhere for a few hours or days, uh, none of them told anything about the afterlife. Uh, we don't have it recorded. Now maybe they told their friends, uh, but we don't have anything recorded about them telling anything about it. So I think that's probably worth thinking about a little bit. And the other thing is we've got some people who were given visions of heaven. They didn't die, but Isaiah, Ezekiel, John, Paul, uh, certain ones were given visions of what heaven was like. And some of them were, re, were permitted to tell some of it and tell what it was like. But one interesting one is Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, let's look at this. He talked about it as this man in the third person because he wasn't, didn't want to brag. But he said this man was caught up to paradise, the third heaven. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. Okay, so he came back from his vision and he even said, I, I might have gone in the body, I don't know. Uh, he wasn't sure how he got there. But he said, I, I heard things that I can't tell you. Uh, God told me I can't report it to you. So we get those kind of examples, makes you wonder uh, about some of the reports, especially the more fantastic reports that go on and on and on. Uh, if Paul couldn't tell about it, I'm not sure why anybody could give that much <laughs> detail. So anyhow, that's the best answer I can do that. I wouldn't discount some of them, but I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in it either. Uh, Main thing is we got to be ready to go whenever we're called. Whatever it's going to be good when we get there. <laughs> yeah, the, the focus really in Scripture is not about. I mean, it's interesting to think about and all that, but that's the focus is that God's there and we dwell with Him and all the other incidental stuff. You know, yep. I guess we'll find out someday, but that's out. not the focus. <laughs> good answer. All right. Okay. Next question: A viewer asks, <clears throat> "Are the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit the same?" Or separate. Well, they are the same, and the difference comes largely due to a difference in the English translations. Uh, Holy Ghost was a common name for the Holy Spirit um, pre 20th century, more or less. Uh, essentially, the King James Version uh, is the only translation that translates it, translates it as Holy Ghost. Um, and I, in my research and study, didn't find any clear reason uh, other than I think the language changed in culture of the time. Uh, a ghost uh, was uh, more of a generic term at that time and referred to all nearly all things spiritual. Uh, at the time when the King James uh, Version was originally translated in about 1611. So, uh, that's probably, uh, I think, the language as languages do, just uh, changed and modernized. And uh, now all the English translations that are modern, uh, even the New King James, uh, American Standard, N New American Standard, NIV, <coughs> most of them, uh, everyone that I've found, uh, translates it now as Holy Spirit. But if you're reading the Old King James, that's fine. Uh, just know that when you see Holy Ghost, it's the same exact thing as the Holy Spirit. So, uh, an astute question and an observation. So okay, that's so. the answer. All righty. You want to know what happens to people who never hear God's Word? 
for example, people in third world countries that never hear the gospel. Well, there are some of those around the world, uh, and what happens to those folks that never get to hear uh, God's Word or about Jehovah God or about Jesus? Uh, you want to know what happens to them? Good question. Uh, we are told, let's go through this first, we're told to go into all the world. So we have a responsibility as Christians to try to get to as many of those people as we can uh, and tell them about Jesus and about God's Word and the Gospel and all of that. So that's why we have missionaries, that's why we send people around the world, uh, that's why the Tyndall group goes to places and translates the Bible into local languages so those people can hear God's Word. So a lot of Christian activity doing that, trying to get the Word out to them. But the viewer says, what if we don't get there? Well, uh, the best answer I have is uh, Paul alludes to it in Romans that there is a natural law that I think those people will be judged by. So let's look at that together. Romans chapter 2 verses 14 and 15. And he's comparing the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews had the law of God. The Gentiles in general hadn't heard it. So he says, indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they don't have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts now accusing now even defending them. Alright, we could study that a long time, but in general what he says is that even those who don't have the law have something written on their hearts, something that God put in us so that our conscience knows the basics. And you look around the world, every civilization, whether they've heard of the Bible or not, understands the basics, the compassion for each other, not to steal, not to murder, uh, all those basic things of the basics of the law, if you will, are imprinted on man's hearts. Every society everywhere or society couldn't even possibly function. So Paul says even the Gentiles, even though they don't have the law, if they follow their consciences, if they obey these basic natural things, that's what they'll be uh, uh, judged by. Now that doesn't mean they're all going to get in. Uh, in fact, his point in the passage is that nobody keeps even those perfectly, uh, so they need to hear about Jesus. That's the only way to heaven. Uh, but that's going to be the standard. Uh, if you don't know the whole law of God, you're going to be judged by that, I believe. So I think that's the best uh, answer that I have for if you were worrying about the third world folks that never get to hear the Bible. All right, uh, we study the Bible with you each week for. 30 minutes and answer a few questions, but there's a whole lot more Bible that we're never going to get to. If Toby and I go on forever, we'll never get it all covered. Uh, and that's why the, we offer some free Bible study materials. Uh, if we can get you studying the Bible in your own home, uh, you're going to learn a whole lot more than you'll get from us in 30 minutes each week. So uh, we appreciate you watching, but we'd like you studying God's Word all by yourself. So we'll send you this uh, set of lessons. There's eight in it all together. We'll start with the first one, which is the Old Testament. And I think you'll be surprised how much you learn about the Old Testament and uh, who wrote it and when and what the topics are in it and all that. And then you send that back to us and we pay the postage. This is all free. And we'll send you a lesson on the New Testament. And I think you'll be surprised by how much you learn there if you go through that one. 
uh, and keep right on through these eight. Uh, we'll reward you with a handsome certificate and then offer you some more courses. There's more advanced ones that we're happy to send to you. Uh, if you'd like to keep studying the Bible with Know Your Bible Study Tools. The way you get them, phone number on the screen, website right below it there. Uh, just use either one of those and tell us you want that free course that we talked about. We'll get it started for you and uh, help you know your Bible a lot better. All right, Toby, what yep. do you got here? We have a question about polygamy, and the viewer wants to know specifically, was Jacob a polygamist since he married both Leah and Rachel? Well, if you're uh, watching this program and you don't know the definition, a polygamist is a person who is married to two or more people at the same time. And that is not God's plan, nor has it ever been God's plan. Uh, in the original plan, God made them Adam and Eve, male and female. His plan was monogamy, one. Uh, the two shall become one, is what Jesus said. Polygamy <clears throat> was uh, practiced by and adopted by several prominent people in the Bible, uh, Abraham, Jacob, David, Solomon. Uh, there are many of uh, the people of faith that practice polygamy, and some folks look at that and errantly uh, surmise that, uh, well, if it was good enough for Abraham or Jacob or Solomon, well, then it must be okay. And that's simply not the case. Uh, the Bible <coughs> uh, is a very honest book. And so from the strict definition, to answer your question, yes, Jacob was a polygamist uh, because he married both Leah and Rachel. Uh, that said, uh, that's not something that God never, ever, ever condoned or uh, was okay with. Uh, his plan has and always is uh, monogamy. And Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. Well, let's look at that together. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Now, that's God's ideal plan, was monogamy. It's always has been, and that is, is what it is today. So just because you look at a case in the Bible and you see someone uh, in the story of faith that did something that was wrong, that never means that God condones it, uh, if that were the case. Uh, then that would, you know, by that reasoning, God would not only be okay with polygamy, He'd be okay with uh, divorce and incest and abuse and murder and all sorts of terrible things that happen in the Bible that God's characters did. And I think that's the whole point, is that all of them sin and fall short of the glory of God. And we should live up to the ideal and do what God wants. Uh, but just because it happened in the book doesn't mean God's okay with it. All right. Thank you. All right, viewer says, explain Matthew 5, 38 to 44. It's a passage about turning the other cheek. Explain that in regard to the death penalty. All right, I can do that real quickly because there's absolutely no connection. Uh, turning the other cheek has nothing to do with the death penalty. Now, some of you may say, I don't know if I believe that or not. Uh, <laughs> how can it not be? Well, because it's about two different kingdoms. Okay, Jesus was talking to His people in the kingdom, going to be in the kingdom, Christians we call ourselves today. And He said, He talked about Christian behavior uh, in the kingdom of God. And we are to turn the other cheek. And we'll look at that verse in just a moment. Uh, but the other kingdom is the kingdom of this world, the civil government. 
and all of that, and that's where the death penalty occurs. Now, put that in your mind, and we'll come back to it in just a moment. Let's look at the original scripture, Matthew 5, 38-39. Uh, Jesus said, You've heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, we could study that a long time and go into the nuances of it. Uh, but basically what Jesus was saying, he was comparing the old law to his new law. And he said the old law gave you the right. In fact, you kind of felt like you had to uh, go get an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Whatever somebody did to you, you had to go hurt them just exactly as much. He said, no, in the kingdom, uh, as Christians, as followers of mine, uh, you don't resist them. If they hurt you some way, uh, turn the other cheek, put up with it, take it. Now, we could go into a lot more detail that he wasn't talking about letting people just roll over you. I mean, really evil people roll over you. But if somebody offends you, somebody at work or school or something like that, uh, just put up with it. Don't don't have to get revenge and get the exact same thing done to them that they did to you. Uh, tolerate it. Put up with it. Uh, that make an impression on them that you're different. But civil government's different. Romans chapter 13 says that God ordains civil governments. He puts them in place to protect the innocent and to punish the wrongdoer. And he says he gives them the power of the sword which means the power of death. So that's set up to keep civilization civilized. And as a government, uh, our governments have the right to take someone's life if they take someone else's life. Uh, all of that's all through the Bible, Genesis chapter 9, from then on. That was the principle. Okay. Now, where those two intersect, you may have a question. If you're a Christian and you're asked to serve on a jury that might have the power of the death penalty. If you don't feel you can do that, I understand that. That's all right. Uh, tell them that you morally object to the death penalty and you couldn't do that. Uh, if you're in the citizen of the kingdom of God and you want to or somebody asks you to serve as a police officer where you might have to administer the death penalty if somebody's coming at you with a gun and you don't think you can do that, that's all right. Uh, that's the intersection of those two kingdoms. Uh, I personally think we are authorized to do that if we, if our consciences will allow it. But two different places, turning the other cheek is personal Christian life. Death penalty is civil government and they have the authority to do that. All right, let me invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. We uh, mention a few each week because the Churches of Christ keep us on the air and uh, we're sponsored by a number of them around the country and all the places that we're seen. And today I'd like to mention the one up in Springfield, Missouri that's our partner up there, the Watermill Church of Christ. Uh, built a new building a few years ago and I know that you'd uh, enjoy visiting with them. Brother Bill McFarland is the minister there, does a great job a uh, good partner with Know Your Bible, and uh, I know you'd enjoy hearing him preach the gospel and meeting the folks at uh, Watermill Church of Christ. Uh, some great group of folks. I know they'd warmly welcome you. Uh, even if you just know somebody at that congregation in Springfield, uh, might tell them that, hey, I was watching Know Your Bible the other day, and I saw that where you go to church, they sponsor that program, and I appreciate it. I, I, we like that program. So just let them know that you're watching and you uh, appreciate it. Of course, any place else that we're seen in uh, over 10 states, 
the Church of Christ might be near you and uh, if you're looking for a church home you could visit or if you just want to stop in and tell them you like that program, do so. I know they'd appreciate that. So look up a Church of Christ near you somewhere. All right, Toby. Yes. Halloween. <laughs> I get to tell people how to feel. Yeah. This is a okay. powerful question here. Right. If you want to know how should Christians feel about Halloween. All right. Um, <laughs> well, I can tell you how they get that way. I'm not sure I can tell you exactly how you should feel, but there are basically two schools of thought in the Christian community as far as uh, the celebration of Halloween. Uh, some good folks look at that and say, well, uh, Halloween is a is a of pagan origin and there's the uh, a lot of evil that uh, cult things that were is where it began and and uh, we shouldn't be associated with that at all and they they don't have any part of it uh, I had a, a lady tell me once that it was just flat-out evil and wrong and um, I understand where she how she feels that way I, I don't agree with that the other school of thought is that hey, it's just a, um, in the modern day, it's just a holiday where kids get dressed up and uh, go around asking for candy and, you know, may, maybe go to a, uh, some sort of little fun day or something and bob for apples and play games and uh, they don't have any problem or see, have any uh, <coughs> limitation on their conscience with that. Well, the viewer asked, how should we feel about that? How should we think about that biblically? The subject of Halloween, of course, is not in the Bible. Um, I would say uh, I probably personally identify with the latter uh, since I have younger children. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want them associating with anything pagan or the occult. Uh, but when my children are dressing up like Superman and a, a, a little furry bunny, I don't think that is anything close to the occult or anything evil. So I think you just got to think. Um, I think you got to, you know, ask yourself, is this something that my children are doing that is associated with evil? No. Uh, there's a lot of things, uh, even things like the simple days of the week uh, have some degree of uh, uh, idolatry in them. Uh, Monday is, is the day of the week that originally meant moon day, worshiping the moon god. Well, if you don't want to have anything to do with it, you, you can't observe Monday, I guess. Um, so you got to kind of follow the thinking on that. I know it makes some people nervous, but I think if you're you know, just celebrating as a, as a person that's just having fun, it's just for kids and uh, you're not even thinking or trending toward anything evil or occult, I don't think there's a problem. Now, if it does violate your conscience and you have a real problem with that, like the lady I mentioned, absolutely, you should avoid it. shouldn't take part of it because for you, that's, that's going to be a violation of your conscience. Um, and if it doesn't violate your conscience, I think you got to be respectful of how other, others feel and think about that. Don't rub it in their face. So Romans 14 is a great chapter. We can't put the whole chapter on the screen, but let's look at a few verses together. Let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself <clears throat> by what he approves. I think the whole chapter is really a great 
uh, set of verses that deal in general uh, with tricky issues like Halloween and there are others that Christians, good Christian people can disagree on. So uh, that's how I feel about it and I hope that helps you think how you feel about it. Alrighty, viewers wondering <clears throat> about light here. His question is, God said, let there be light, then later made the sun and moon. What's the difference? Alright, let's read it directly from the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, uh, we're going to look at verse 3 and then at verse 14. Verse 3 is about day 1, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then day 4, which is verse 13, then God said, let there be lights, plural, in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons, and for days and years, and to give light on the earth. And it was so. Alright, day 1 what God made was light, the essence of light. And that is a mysterious subject that physicists can't figure out uh, how fast it moves and whether it has mass and all of that. It's really confusing to them because light's pretty special. Uh, the creation of light itself was what he did in verse 1, or verse 3 there. And then he made sources of lights, light, the sun and the moon, and it said they're supposed to keep the seasons and the days, so you know whether it's night or day, uh, they're to count the years off, uh, and they're to give light on earth. There are lots of sources of light, but the light itself is what God created first, and then he made different sources of light, like a lightning bug has a source of light, but he made the light first. So I hope that makes that that clear to us. Toby, you got time to sure. cover the last one here? Yes. Uh, a viewer wants to know, how do you know if you have been born again? Well, believe it or not, Jesus answered this very question uh, talking to a guy by the name of Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and he wanted to know the same question. Jesus replied, uh, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Well, Jesus to me made it very clear that entering the kingdom of God requires not just the first birth, which of course everybody who's alive goes through that, but the second birth, being born again, being baptized into Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then we're told in Acts chapter 2 that you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so that's exactly how you do it. Repentance, faith in Christ, and putting Him on in baptism, uh, being buried with Him for the remission of your sins. So that's a good question. Jesus right. said you got to do it. All right, thank you, Toby. <laughs> Let's take uh, time and answer our trivia question for the day and see if you got it right. The question was, who prepared the way for Jesus? And the one that was preparing the way was John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. He came before Jesus. Remember he came out of the wilderness and was kind of a wild looking character. Uh, wore camel skin and ate locusts and wild honey and he must have been a character and he didn't shave either. He had a long beard because he was a Nazarite. Uh, so he came and told people that the Messiah is coming and the Redeemer is coming. And then when he saw Jesus one day, he said, there he is. That's the Lamb of God. So he was preparing the way for Jesus and letting them know who he was. We're glad you've been with us today. And if you haven't signed up for that correspondence course yet, today would be a good day to do it. Get to knowing your Bible uh, with some of our free materials. All you got to do is call or log on and say you'd like it.
we'll get it started for you absolutely free of charge and uh, you can start learning about the Bible at your own home. We're glad you've been with us today and we invite you to be back with us next week for more of your questions on Know Your Bible. Till then you have a blessed week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.